Well, but so I agree with you, Evan. We, we talk about the past a lot on this pod because there's been some pretty great recent past. But dudes, this is, I mean, what was the name of uh, Josh's video? We were freaking eight and five. Like, yeah, let's take a couple, let's take a minutes to celebrate. That. I mean, it's, it is amazing. Um, and Who was right? Who was right? At the beginning of the season, the Seahawks are going to the damn playoffs. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Evan, you're so wrong. You're crazy. Going to the playoffs. 99.8% chance. <laughs> Sorry. Had to have my moment. <laughs> uh, yes, you just broke the internet. Thank you for that. Um, uh, I expect I expect some clips of that to show up tomorrow. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I... I I find myself asking a couple of questions like, how is this team doing it? How are they doing? How are they so fun? How is this team so fun to watch? Like what makes them so fun to watch? And then I find myself asking like, who do I give the most credit for, for this? Like who, who's responsible for doing what I think we all agree, Evan, you can say that you predicted it, but you, you are, you were incredibly happy with how this season turned out. You did not see it going this way. Correct. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I mean, like, what do you, I mean, where do you guys, how do you guys think this is happening? Like, what are the, what are the things that you think are fundamental to, like, how this team is over, like, outkicking its coverage? I think it really comes down to the top factor being Mike Solari's hire and Tom Cable's firing. I, and I know this is a common cliche take, but I really think going from Tom Cable to Mike Solari and then bringing in DJ Fluker, J.R. Sweezy, and even Ifedi's evolution, that has been so, so cool to see. You know, I, I think Football Outsiders had them ranked 13th overall in terms of offense, offensive line rankings, that's something we've never had in the cable era or even close. We were like high 20s, 31 and 32, even a couple of years. So, you know, we, we talked about it, Brian. I went back and listened to one of our podcasts in, in August where we were like, hey, just give Russell like an average offensive line. Give this offense an average offense. You will be blown away by what they can do. And this offense has been pretty good this year. Their red zone offense has been insane. So... Um, it's just super cool to see. I, I really think it all comes down to the offensive line, you know, the trenches up front. It's something we've been struggling with for like the past eight or nine years, and it's really gratifying to see. How about you, Jeff? Like, give me your give me your top three. Um, and Evan, you have a chance to think of your other two. Your top three reasons why the Seahawks are overachieving. I'm going to double down on what Evan said. I think offensive line by far. I was I was cautiously optimistic about them going into the year when that Albright tweet came out I remember getting into it with him and some others saying the offensive line will be fine that was before they got Sweezy I just thought between Dwayne Brown and Britt that was enough to make them fine but I know they're 13th to me they're a top 10 unit they the way they're handling these fronts that are really good and the way they can keep a defense off balance like in the run that's the first scoring drive they had against Minnesota I know they ended up only getting a field goal, but the way they kept that defense off balance, they look phenomenal. And the, the amazing thing to me isn't just the starters, it's the depth. Mm. You got like Fant now who's playing, I think 30% of the snaps, Baldinger said today. And he looks like a pro out there. And 
the way Jordan Simmons has stepped up. And Thank you. Jordan Simmons has been a godsend. Before, you lose one guy and you have some of the guys we've started in the last three years. Jordan Simmons, is, when he's played, they're averaging like 250 rushing yards a game. And then you have Posick as, a, as your, what, eighth lineman now? He can play five positions and he's got his flaws. But if he's your eighth lineman and you got five good starters – that's so much like Baldinger called it one of the greatest one year turnarounds he's seen up front in NFL history. And the fact that you guys have, to me, I don't know if the stats bear this out. They look like a top 10 line. And it, yeah. And it's just, they're not good at one thing. They can do the power run game. They can do the, they can do zone blocking. They can do the pass pro. We knew that Russell with a good line would be great. But when you add all those components, you couldn't have seen this coming. There's no way. You couldn't have been the right mind saw this coming. So to me, that's number one. What are your other two? Um, I'd say that what Pete Carroll's done with the locker room. Oh, boy. I know, I know. It's, it's not going, quantifiable. Jeff, don't let him shame you. It's, Keep going. Well, it's not quantifiable. You'll never be able to prove it. But having everyone on the same page and going in the same direction with a clear identity – to me, that's one of the biggest ways you judge a head coach and one of the biggest things a head coach does. And if you look at the, what the locker room was like the last couple of years with the infighting and everyone trying to take credit and the offensive line that was crumbling and guys yelling at coaches on the sideline, I think having everyone on the same page and kind of knowing how they are and since weeks... We lose you, Jeff? Oh, we lost Jeff for a second. All right, I can finish my two if you want. Me. Well, we lock a room. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. We we lost you for a second. Okay, am I, am I still here? Yeah, yeah. You're, we think you're still there. And the third one, I'd say Tyler Lockett. Ooh. I'd say yeah. you couldn't have imagined nine touchdowns at this point. Nine, maybe nine touchdowns at all. Having that kind of guy to pair up with Russell's play action pass, especially in a year where Doug got hurt. That's made a world of difference because having that deep passing game mixing in with their multi-dimensional run game, that's Pete Carroll football, and it's it's a huge way. It's just Russell's best strength is the deep ball, and having a guy who can pair with them that can separate like that. They lost Paul Richardson. They lost Graham. Everyone thought that would haunt the team. Lockett's been has more touchdowns this year than Paul Richards' entire Seahawks tenure. <laughs> he does. I Maybe know eight touchdowns. I know. So. That's for me, number three. All right. All right. What about you, Evan? You got your other two? Yeah, I got my other two. Because I'm going to go on a long tirade here, so you better get your two out before I my go off. My second one is Russell Wilson. I know we're coming off a really bad Sunday night – or Monday night football game with him, and I actually thought he played really poorly. I thought he missed some really big throws, but he's mostly had an insane season. You know, we don't win that Panthers game without him. He's won tons of games for us this year. I, I think if you don't have – I think if you replace Russell Wilson with, like, I don't know, Andy Dalton or something. I think this team has like four or five wins. I, I, I think you cut it in half. So I think that's where we're at in terms of my number two spot, Russell Wilson. My number three spot, it's John Schneider. And I'll ask you guys this question. I think there were three major moves that John Schneider made this offseason that completely changed the game this year. Number one, DJ Fluker. Number two, J.R. Sweezy. Number three, Bradley McDougald. All three players have played major roles this year. 
major roles. They are key cogs in this machine. I want to, so let me ask you this. Take away those three players, replace them with average replacement players. How many wins does that change with those three players gone? McDougald, Fluker, and Sweezy? Yeah. Oh, I'd say that's probably at least a three-win swing, if not more. I completely agree. I think I think when it comes to the whole identity piece, like Fluker and Sweezy are huge. And Bradley McDougal has been ranked as like one of the top safeties in the NFL this year. And John Schneider, also Matt Thomas, their cap guy, signed him to a three-year deal for like $12 million. Like what er, less than what Earl would want in one year. Like yeah. that's insane. I, I think yeah, that contract is Lockett in there too, no? Yeah, well, the, the only reason I didn't throw Lockett in there is just because uh, he was on the last year of his rookie deal this year. Yeah, so fair. he would have been here regardless. But I think, you know, here's what I got wrong. I thought the Lockett extension was a little too much money. And, you know, 99% of all people thought that contract was absolutely awful. That contract is probably below market value by a lot right now. It's currently ranked like 21st in the NFL in terms of, you know, average money per year. Give it a couple years, two years down the line, that contract will probably be ranked between 30 and 35 in terms of APY. So I never got why there was such a freak out about the Lockett thing other than people that just didn't believe in it. he was going to come back from the injury. But given the cap escalation that essentially works out to like an eight million dollar a year deal from a few years ago when the cap was lower and and i don't know i think Lockett got paid like a number two receiver which i think he absolutely is a qualified number two receiver so i mean i think you guys hit on it so i won't i won't i won't pile on too much but 100 percent number one um thing is definitely offensive line and mike solari and specifically i think a lot of people overemphasize it's the pass blocking it is absolutely the run blocking um, you know, I went over this with you last week, Jeff, and I'm going to say it again because I still don't think people get it. Last year with Tom Cable, the Seahawks offensive line had a 20th, we're 20th ranked in QB sack rate, 20th. Um, this year they're 29th. I think they might have even gone down to 30th. They've actually gone backwards in sack rate, so sacks per dropback. Um, and from a pass block uh, win rate, which ESPN does, they were 11th last year for the offensive line. That really isolates the offensive line's blocking ability. Um, they were ninth this year going into the Minnesota game. So there's been minor improvement there from that perspective, but not world's different. But if you look at the, the, the run game, it is completely different. It is a completely different run game. We even heard it from the running backs early in the season that they have more holes to choose from. They have more options of how to get their yards. And I think that has been... You cannot overemphasize how critical that has been to this team. And for me, that's the second thing is, is the run game. And the, the, you can credit Solari, but you have to credit Schottenheimer, who's calling plays. There's not many play callers who's, who are willing to call 53% um, you know, of their, their plays um, to be runs um, in this day and age. He's willing to do it. You have to credit Pete for actually going to Schottenheimer after week two and saying, this is not our identity. We're getting back to our kind of football and we're going to run the ball and Schottenheimer agreeing to his credit and them doing that. I mean, I, I think people forget Mike Solari was, was the offensive line coach for weeks one and two. And it was not just Fluker as the difference. And it was not just the fact that they were playing Dallas, uh, Denver and Chicago. Dallas is a damn good defense. Um, 
you know, Minnesota is a damn good defense. They've played good defenses, and it was a change in how they were calling the game. So I think that's was huge. Tyler Lockett's been huge. I think the seventh round from 2017 has been huge. David Moore and Chris Carson and what they've been able to contribute this season relative to what you'd expect from second-year seventh-round picks, I mean, is, is outstanding. Um, you know, I think George Fant's a great call-out. That guy, you know, missed most of that, almost the entire season. He missed, basically played a couple snaps of a preseason game and, and was out. So, um, yeah, it's it, it goes across the board. I, I think um, uh, a lot of pieces there. But honestly, Evan, when you get down to it, the person who's most responsible for the Seahawks being eight and five instead of being much worse is Pete Carroll. That's a complete joke. You are wrong, and let's hear let's hear how wrong you are. Go ahead, tell me tell me why I'm wrong. I'll tell you, Pete Carroll's not a top five reason this team is currently. They currently have eight wins. It's not it's not a top five reason. Okay. No, oh, I, I'm serious. I I want to backtrack my take though because I don't want to come across as too hot. Number one, Pete Carroll's really good. Really like Pete Carroll. Love Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's fun. I like Pete Carroll. Number two, Pete Carroll, I'll say it again, is good. Number three, he's not a top five reason the Seahawks. No, he's not a top three reason. Sorry. He's not a top three reason the Seahawks are being successful. I've already backpedaled from five to three. No, I, I got my wording messed up. He's, he's a top five reason. I, I put him at probably number five. But so How would you grade his coaching job this year? What would you give him? Are, are we talking like A to F type of thing? Yeah, yeah, A to F. What would you give him? Maybe like a maybe like a B, B minus. And what do you evaluate that on? I think you have to consider everything from, you know, one thing is like, like head coach, dude, he plays a role in everything, especially at the Seahawks. Like he controls personnel. You know, he has the final say on roster. You know, he fired Tom Cable, you know, fired Bevel, fired a bunch of coaches, brought in new coaches. So I think you have to include him in the credit there. He's a motivator. You know, he's a, he's an identity set setter in terms of the culture, you know, what they're trying to do on offense, on defense. So I think he kind of has hands in everything. Um, I just, I don't think my take is hot by saying that I don't think he's been a top three pivotal factor for this team this year. I really don't. Like and and, I'll, and and it's and I go back to the three I had. It's Russell Wilson, Mike Solari, the offensive line, and um, John Schneider. The moves he made this offseason. And and I I actually agree with you, Jeff. Though this is super hard to quantify. Like there's no way to completely 100% reasonably measure this. But looking at those top three reasons is Mike Solari, Russell Wilson's performance this year, which has been really really good probably top three, four quarterbacks this year, you know, outside of Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees. I can't think of anybody who's probably played better than him. Um, and then the huge signings by John Schneider. It's hard for me to look past those things. It really is. Okay. We still haven't said why Pete got a B or B minus. I, I think there were a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with how he started this season, to be quite honest. Those two games, and I will 100% admit it, weigh very heavily on me. I think the complete lack of identity, the complete lack of preparedness. I thought they showed up to Denver and Chicago looking like a joke, 
like it was disgusting what we were watching. Like people were pissed. I forget people forget like how angry we were. We were about ready to throw Pete Carroll off like a skyscraper. Like people were pissed with Pete Carroll. I think the start to the season was atrocious. And and I think that has to be included in in um in your evaluation of Pete. I also think he's had a consistent pattern of poor um clock game management this year. There's been some really – I mean, that's not new. You know, that's something we've seen with Pete Carroll over the years. But, Evan, let me ask Let me ask you something, though. Like, I get it on the first two games. I was – there was nobody more livid than I was after those two games. And I was the one that was calling for him to be fired after those two. Like, I was – I'm a huge supporter of his. He clearly, from my perspective, was, was – had worn out his welcome. He was not even honoring his own philosophy and his own identity for the team. So, definitely get that. But the whole premise of this question is who do you give credit for getting to overachieving? Like we've reached a point in the season where this team is overachieving expectations and they started 0-2. Yeah. They're eight and three since then, Evan. So like yeah. you kind of have to throw the first two games out when you're evaluating like who do you give most credit for getting to 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 this point? If, if you're giving him the blame for the first two games, you're not giving him the credit for the, you know, for the 11 games since. I don't quite understand that. He's included in the credit. I want to be clear about that. Like, Pete Carroll has had a most – like, he's had a good year, and that's why I say B, B minus. Like, he's been good. Like, Pete Carroll is good. I'm not saying Pete Carroll's bad. I just don't think he's had a bigger, you know, influence on this year, bigger impact on this year than Russell Wilson, Mike Solari, DJ Fluker, J.R. Sweezy, and Bradley McDougal. Does that make sense? It's a much calmer take than your the one I was getting on Twitter yesterday. Okay. Well, I, I reserve my hottest takes, my extreme emotional hottest takes for our group chat. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair. Yeah. I think this is more to do with the fact that Nathan's at home waiting for another kid, and he doesn't have backup to go after <laughs> Pete Carroll. So that's why... <laughs> That's why I've come and frame it. I don't want to have me and Brian bullying Evan like we were last time. That's why I've been kind of asking him rather than telling him. So yeah. my question on Schneider is this. Schneider drafted Rashad Penny in the first round and trade away Michael Bennett for a fifth round. Is that not worse than anything Pete did in the first two weeks of the season? I'm sorry, repeat the second part. What'd you say? He traded Michael Bennett for a fifth rounder and some washout receiver. But like you said, I don't think we can fairly evaluate that situation. Okay, fair. I, okay, I, I'm asking. I'm just I'm being devil's game. advocate here. Yeah. Okay, my other devil's advocate is they just won a game against one of the top talented rosters in the league with 75 passing yards. Okay. Was that not Pete Carroll football identity? Wasn't that like perfect playing to Pete's strengths? And Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. Like the defense played lights out. I think the defense won us that game. And one thing I'm super excited about is this defense. If this defense is starting to gel together towards the end of the year, they've been inconsistent this year. They haven't been great. They haven't been amazing. They've kind of like been middle of the pack. I think, I think football outsiders has them at like 15, 14, 16, something like that overall. So if they start to gel and we start seeing some good showings from them, that's something to be encouraged about. And I, I and I would say that directly attributes to um, Pete Carroll. Okay. So well, now we're going we're gonna to flip this around for a second. Brian had Pete number one. So I want to hear your opinion. Well, I mean, first of all, you look at – I think the, the offensive line we talked about as the, 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 the a big item here. And 
It was Pete Carroll who hired Mike Solari, and it's Pete Carroll who emphasized the run game. And I think there's a lot of there's a reason Mike Solari wasn't coaching anywhere else. Who employed Tom Cable for ten years? Who employed Tom Cable for ten years? Ten years? Or nine, eight, seven years, whatever. I was born like a decade ago. It was 2011 to 2017. That's a long ass time for a really bad. We're coach. not going to go back and again. No, no. The question is not about that. It's not. A, it, the question is who's attributing to this year's success. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cable does think, not factor in at all. And I think Tom Cable from the equation. I think Solari. Um, you know, is a hire that was specifically around Pete's identity and has been given an opportunity to do that. I think he brought in Schottenheimer, who we haven't talked about because nobody wants to come out and be a Schottenheimer supporter because it, no, none of us feel that confident about it. But Russell is playing his best uh, football of his career. And we heard early on, you heard from Drew Brees about when Schottenheimer was his quarterback coach. I think Russell has his first quarterback coach in history. I think Taters, the like 90-year-old best friend of Pete that he's had around Russell since his rookie year, was absolutely – people talk about Bevel. Tater was a huge like problem. He had never done, coached a single quarterback of any meaning or any significance. So um, you know, I think that that was, that was big. But look, I, I think that when I get down to it, I look at this defense, and I think this defense is bottom third in the NFL in talent, maybe like bottom seven in talent. They are number five in the NFL in scoring defense, fifth in scoring defense in the NFL. And yes, it absolutely has to do with you know time of possession and limiting drives. All that stuff factors in. I don't care. This defense is so low on talent and so inexperienced for even the talent that they do have. Um, that is a, a amazing accomplishment, and that's absolutely all Pete Carroll. So I, I don't know that there's any other team in the NFL outside of maybe New England that is more a product of their coach and his philosophy, and every single decision reflects it, than the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. This yeah, is his team run his way. I'm going to double down on that. I think from just being around sports my whole life, football as the head coach of a football team has such a profound effect in so many ways. And the way what you just described, I think that applies to every team. I think if you lined up this exact roster with all the coaches that Nathan and Evan were going through yesterday, the team would might have the same record, but they would look remarkably different. And I think the head coach just the way they design everything, the way they but Pete's skills, and I heard Matt Hasselbeck talking about this. Pete has a, like a really rare ability to kind of get the most out of a person. It's <clears throat> it's something that a lot of a lot of his book was focused on, just maximizing individual performance. Like how many coaches would be playing Trey Flowers right now and be getting Mike Holmgren, one of the best coaches the Seahawks have ever had, would not have touched that guy. Dante Johnson or a guy like that would have been starting over him a million miles away. And I know that he's not. That's not a great example, but. I think the head coach, I think you can't ever say that the head coach is not the top three reason a team's performing the way they are. I think head coaches have such a profound impact on everything a team does. They just reflect the head coach. And I think last the last two years are a perfect example. Repeat on the negative. I think when the Seahawks were dwindling, I think I'll, that was because Pete had lost his way and Sherman was right. I agree. And I think 
the, every look at San Francisco, for example. Harbaugh was there, and we're pretty much the same roster with different coaches. And look, look at the, the Rams. Rams this year. Yeah, you Jackson leaves. And it's not like that in basketball, and it's not like that in hockey, and it's not like that in baseball, where the manager does nothing. Basically, it's all dictated by strategy and talent. Football at every level, the head coach has such a profound impact, and that's my point. I'm not even defending Pete. That's the funny thing. I just don't think you can ever say that. Mm. 